Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Hallelujah. Okay, so... We're going to continue. I, I just hope I'll be able to finish up what I have to share with us on heaping coals of fire. And this is going to be part number four on this particular series. I just hope as well <clears throat> that you are receiving insight and that the Lord is helping out even in this regard. As touching his mind, because like I said before, this is what enables us to grow into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's the ultimate goal when we become children of God. We have to grow, and growth comes via the world and to mature into that which is called the fullness of the stature. <clears throat> Meaning God is intending to reproduce more of Jesus' nature on the face of the earth. There are several sons who can identify with the same character, the same measure in terms of attitude and disposition. I think when the Lord said, let's make man an image and after our likeness, let them have dominion, and that God made man in his image and likeness, the fruitfulness he asked them be a fruitful to Adam and Eve, I think is to reproduce the character of God amongst men. By implication, mankind assuming the character of God on the face of the earth. So we have more of God-like people, the image of God being revealed in and through us so that we can manifest same to creation. Amen? Alright, so uh, let's quickly start from Proverbs 25, verse 21 again. <clears throat> Proverbs 25, 21 If the enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. Verse 22. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. And this is what I said last week. It's so strange if we think heaping coals of fire on people's head. Um, I mean... I don't know how God was intending or, or you think God intends to reward you because you're trying to kill people with fire. And so, this verse alone just tells you that our understanding of this particular passage from Romans 12, or where this, I mean, Romans 12, where it's quoted from here, it will just tell you precisely that we do not have understanding of what that passage is talking about. So God cannot reward you for killing people. He rewards you for doing good because God is good. Amen? Praise God. All right, so that's how he called a fire upon his head. And again, like I said, not to consume them, but to melt 
their wicked and strong hearts. You know, like I said before, prior to this time, it's a metaphor that is taken. And uh, last week, remember, we did mention um, in Proverbs 20, I mean, Exodus 23, verse 4, uh, there the Bible tells us if thou meet the enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. If thou see the ox of him that hated thee lying under the burden, and would not, that's verse 5, forbear to help him, thou shalt surely help him. So here we see what instruction the Lord is giving, which is consistent with his character, with his nature, which has to do with love. Even in that which is called the Lord of Moses, we find that there's a consistency in the civil laws or civil rules that were given to the children of Israel. So most times when we talk about the Old Testament, that we don't have anything to do with that, that is not absolutely correct. The civil rules were still there and are still there. It's part of what Jesus is telling us today. These were part of the civil rules in Israel. How to relate with one another. In fact, that shall not steal is a civil rule or law, if you will. Amen. And you're not saying you are right now a new believer, I mean, New Testament believer, therefore, that law does not apply to you. That's not true. In fact, it's a universal law. Even the other thing, even your taste. They all still come to that a Christian, therefore, you can steal and it means nothing. No. What God is actually saying, by implication, the thing that does, but the civil rules are still applicable. Jesus, in quote, that Jesus spoke about in the book of Matthew chapter 5 was, you look on the woman, you understand that? And lost, increased it. He cannot raise the bar. From what evil Moses said, he raised the bar. <laughs> this is just merely looking. So, he's bringing it to internal structure. And that is why the Lord was speaking to me in the night. Uh, part of what maybe I'm, I'm going to be dealing with once I come back to Facebook because shut me out for two weeks. And it was making me to see John 1, uh, 17 when it talks about um, the law came the most by Moses, but you understand all that. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So what was that? You see, when I started, I have to start looking at that. I've got to get my phone. I have to go to check out on the Greek and begin to see. Like I said previously, if you take time to study that, you don't realize that the grace they have to do with your eternal configuration to be able to obey the laws of God. The word law is applicable to even Jesus and Moses. So you call it the law of the spirit of Christ. It's still a law. I don't know if you understand what I mean. Yeah. So we have the law of the spirit of Christ and we the law of Moses. So what grace does is it enables you to fulfill the demand that God has on you, which was external. Now it's eternalized. Anyway, we deal with that. Praise God. So what I'm trying to say here is the instruction that God gave and that God is still giving today 
it's a moral law and he's saying love your neighbor even as you love yourself so he said if you see your neighbor's ox fall into the ditch what are you going to do bring it out take it back to him you express the love that will have nothing to do with old or new love is love are you there with me hallelujah so these instructions given by God like right now in Exodus 25 he gave this law to the children of Israel as it were and so the Lord Jesus himself we have to further instruct us on the same principle as to how to deal with your neighbor that which you call your neighbor anyway hallelujah and I try to make you understand from the story of the man that was trapped and beaten up, robbed on the way to Jericho from lower region to a higher region fell among these robbers they robbed him, beat him up the priest passed by the Levite passed by a Samaritan came and helped him and Jesus asked the question who is your neighbor? of course the answer was the Samaritan and so he called it good Samaritan so why was Jesus bringing that illustration? Because the Jews and the Samaritans, they don't have anything in common. And so Jesus was trying to bring the spirit of reconciliation to say, you do not have an enemy because the Samaritan person is better than you are thinking. As a high priest, as a Levite, you left the person on the road and somebody came and paid the price, took the person, paid the bills, pour oil on the individual. Who is your neighbor? Your enemy eventually becomes your neighbor. With simple definition Jesus gave. So he was telling the Jews, the Samaritan that you claim to be your enemy, you actually what? Your neighbor. Was they have the spirit of Christ. Praise God. Are we here? Alright. So let's look at Matthew chapter 4. I mean 5 verse 44. The same principle we just read in Exodus 23. Matthew 5 verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and I want you to see all these things. Pray for them, quit despisefully use you, and persecute you. How many things do you find there? Look at that. Let's go together. Love your enemies, number one. Bless them that curse you, two. Do good to them that hate you. Three, pray for them that despitefully use you. Four, and do what? Persecute you. Now, you find that there are three, I mean, five dimensions of relationship that God said you have towards your enemies here. What's number five? That's grace. Manifesting grace. Long-suffering. Patient. Towards that which is called the enemy. I'm going to break them down bit by bit. When he said love your enemies. This is one of the most. How do I put it now? Astounding spiritual. Intellectual moral world. That Jesus could ever give to man. It's most astounding. But at the same time. is the most unreasonable. And difficult thing to do. You understand that? 
is most astounding in terms of the moral instruction, intelligent moral instruction that Jesus could give. Of all the things he ever says, but at the same time, is the most unreasonable and stupid thing to do as far as human mind is concerned. Why would somebody tell you to love your enemy? It's a stupid thing to do. It's unreasonable. It is, it's, it's unreasonable. I don't know if you understand what I mean. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why, is it, why do you think it's unreasonable? Why do you think it's, 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 a, it's a stupid way of, of, of looking at things? Because the natural man tendency is prone to revenge always. Man wants to revenge. Anytime, any moment, anywhere, in any situation. Hurt somebody, he wants to revenge. Let somebody hurt you, you want to revenge. It's the natural tendency in man to revenge. That is why this instruction is the most stupid instruction you can find in the Bible. But guess what? The word said the foolish things of God will confirm the wise. Do you understand that? It is most important for you, if you really want to live out the spirit of God, to be foolish. <laughs> Praise God. If you really want to make headway, going by the things that God himself has instructed, is to be foolish. And this is one of the most stupid things you can ever imagine. One on earth will make you love your enemy. For what? <laughs> but Jesus said this is the way to go. That is why the kingdom is an upside down kingdom. You want to go up, then you must come down. You want to be blessed, then you must give. You want to be happy, you're going to give joy. Praise God. Are you there? Man loves to pay back everything done to them but such offenses and must stand to give reasons why such revenge is necessary. You check it out. Check your spirit. Man always wants to give reason why he must revenge. When something happened and he wants to pay back, if he tried to find, oh no, you know why he did that to me? If I don't do this to him, the person will not understand what he has done to me. I must do it so that the person will know that what he did to me was bad. You're going to give reasons. Jesus said you don't have need to give reasons because somebody hurt you. Therefore, you must hurt the person back so that the person will feel the pain. Now, it's not Christ's spirit. It's not the love of God. It's not the way of God. Hallelujah. So we know that men are naturally very hostile. They're very wicked towards one another. It's the nature of man. Man is naturally hostile towards one another. Therefore, for somebody who is naturally hostile, for you to be telling that individual to love the enemy, oh, very unreasonable. You, you can agree with me, right? Very unreasonable. <laughs> it's about the mode of Jesus. The mode of Jesus is to constantly make men happy. 
And to be at peace with one another. That is his mood. We're talking about mood, structure. So anything that will not bring this to pass is rejected by the Spirit of Christ. The mood of Jesus Christ is to naturally make people happy, joyful, anytime, anywhere. It's to make people be at peace anytime, anywhere. That is his mood. So if you truly want to operate in the spirit of Christ, then you must operate that mood. Making people happy, no matter what happens. No matter what they do to you. Remember what he's telling you here? Love your enemies. Show love to people. Anytime, anywhere. What about those that abuse me? Oh yes, that's part of what we're going to be dealing with. Hallelujah. So only those with the mind of Christ who want to obey his instructions can feel that this instruction from Jesus is reasonable. These are the only people who want to instruct on for people Christ. Amen? And, and if I must use the word holiness in the way men use it, this one of the, the words that really describes holiness. Holiness is not your attitude in terms of maybe your character or whatever. Yeah, even if it is your character, this is the most sublime truth about the spirit of holiness. Loving your enemy. And don't forget, the scripture tells you that without holiness, no man can see God. Who is God? God is love. <laughs> Are you getting that? God is love. Love your enemy. Then you are experiencing God because you've also received God. You can express God now. So I will say, without holiness, no man can see God. This is the principle that he hangs on. Love your enemies. That is why I'm saying it's a difficult thing to do. Because if you take time to read 1 Corinthians 13, and God begins to describe for you the simple definition of love, then you can understand what I'm saying. Long-suffering, patient, does not count on errors. You understand and forgive easily and so on and so forth. All of those principles are found there in this simple word, love. By implication, the Lord is saying, have long suffering towards your enemy, learn to forgive them, be patient, and so on and so forth. All of the characteristics of 1 Corinthians 13 is what you find in this verse 44. Praise God. So when we read then, bless them that cause you. What do you think he's talking about? The first one is love your enemy. Now the other one I say, bless them that cause you. What is he talking about? To bless is to speak good things about somebody. <laughs> it's a terrible thing for you to understand what I'm about to say. And I need you to catch it. You see, everything Jesus said in this passage is the most terrible thing for us to practice. But yet, that's what he wants us to practice. Look at Genesis 2 verse 3, for instance. Let me show you something there. Genesis 2 3. And God blessed the Sabbath day and sanctified it 
Because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. What I want you to see that the word bless. Why do you, what do you mean bless? What is Sabbath day that has to be blessed? I think it's a human being that needs to be blessed. But it's a day. So how will God bless a day? God comes, Sabbath, I bless you. Is that what it means? No. What he's saying here is God spoke good of the Sabbath. He placed value on the Sabbath. So when you say bless those that curse you, speak good things about those that are cursing you. I know how difficult that is. You see, you know what we say? With God, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ and strengthen me. Now, this is one of them. <laughs> Praise God. I don't know if you're getting that. Yeah, I can do all things. What are the other things? Speak good things about your enemies, those who abuse you. Say good things about them by implication. You are not going to gossip anybody who has so insulted you, who has so spoken things about you. You are not going to gossip that individual to somebody else. When the matter comes up, instead of gossiping, instead of saying how offended you are, you are going to be saying, oh no, that brother is a good man. That sister, no, it's a lovely person. I know the last time when we met, how she smiled at me. I know he's a good man. I said, but look at what the person said about you. Oh yes, but I know the person is a good person. Say good things about those that cause you. Is it possible? Yeah. With Christ, he can do all things. Let him not be getting money alone. <laughs> Praise God. Give good words. In place of bad words. That's what he's saying. Say good things about people who have used wrong words against you and about you. I mean, if we follow just these five things we're going to be discussing, you live a life that nobody can understand. Men will be surprised about you. Just this verse alone. Just this verse alone that Jesus said. These five things we're looking at. Love your enemy. Bless them that cause you. Say good things about people that have used wrong words against you. Don't repay evil with evil. Repay evil with what? With good. Don't, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Has anybody insulted you? Say good things about those people. That's what makes you a child of God. That's what separates you from the man that is walking the streets. That's what challenges even your opponents and your enemies. And it will shut the devil down. Saying good things about those that say evil things about you. Are we here? Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, are you going to learn to speak good things about people? Will you try to do that? Do you have some people who have said some things about you that you never expected that, oh man, this sister, that brother said this about me. I mean, did you find people like that? What are you going to do? 
when finally we have opportunity to say something about them. What are you going to do? Praise the Lord. That is the challenge of being a child of God. That is the challenge of going on with the Spirit of Christ. That is the challenge of being born again. Now you know very well somebody says something very evil things about you. But I'm asking the question, if the opportunity comes for you to say something about that individual, what are you going to say? If somebody has so insulted you, rubbed you down, I mean, in the midst of other people, defamed you, whatever the case may be, and now the person approaches you, or somebody else approaches you, talking about that individual, I want to find out the character. Maybe the person looking for a job, and they come to you and they say, do you know that sister we're trying to offer a job? <laughs> what are you going to do? Hallelujah. Come on, are you done with me? You see how challenging it is. You know this person really insulted. You know this person really did a lot of damage to your character. Amongst people, obviously something you have come to say. People have told you this what this person said. And now this person, somebody comes around and says, that sister, we're thinking of employing her. What do you know about her? What can you say about her? We trust you. So whatever recommendations you give, what are you going to say? That's your proof. And I guess something, right. This is I'm saying that the Lord started instructing us this past few weeks. You're going to be tested with them. You are going to be tested with them. You will not understand. It could be your home. It could be anywhere. You are going to be tested. You know why? Because the word of God must be tried. And the Bible says the world is tried seven times pure. Not just that. Joseph had the dream. The word of God tried Joseph. You don't just listen. After listening, you're going to be tried. Praise God. Are you there? Okay, so that's about saying good things about the people. I hope you learn to do that. Just pray God's grace and enable you to talk good things about other people. Not just people, but those who have really said bad things about you. You see, all of this thing is because we have a goal in our work with God. Let me use the language we want to make it. Is that okay? Yeah, we want to make it. So we don't want somebody's ass life to shut it down. We want to make it. That's what people say. I want to make heaven, isn't it? Yeah, so we want to make it. So why will you allow somebody's character now to stop you from making heaven? <laughs> That's the point. And this, these are the things that God counts, not those big things normally you, you talk about. We have some things we put in place to mean standards, but these are the standards that God really looks at. Praise God. What's the next thing he says? Do good to them that hate you. Not a dangerous thing. <laughs> Do good to them that hate you. Now, this is, this is the way it's going now. Will you prove to your enemy that you love them no matter what they do to you? How do you prove to them? By doing good to them. If you have opportunity to do good to your enemy, prove it. It's not a matter of saying, oh yeah, I love, no, oh, yes, I love, no. Are you there? Do good to them that do what? That hate you. So how do you prove your love to those that hate you? By doing good. 
If you have opportunity of doing good to those that hate you, do it. You are a child of God. But these shall the Father know, not men, that you are real born of the Spirit. Do good to them that hate you, not those that love you. So your good should not be targeted at those who do good to you or those who love you. No, no, no. The Lord is saying, do good to them that do what? That hate you. Do good. Hallelujah. That's how you prove it. So, you're not doing good by just uh, saying, well, oh yes, I love you. Oh no, no matter what you do, I love you. Yeah. I'm forgiving you. No, yeah. No, no, that's not it. Do good. The proof of your saying you love your enemy is to do what? Is to do good. Good responsibilities. That will prove that you are a child of God. That will prove that you've got the spirit of Christ. It's what we're talking about. Matthew 5, 44. Just one verse. Major character that God needs for you to exhibit. So do good to them that do what? That love you. And the next thing he says, pray for them who despisefully use you. <laughs> I mean, will you be able to do this? Hallelujah. Pray for them that despisefully use you. Pray for them. Okay, what prayer, kind of prayer are you going to be praying now? Hmm? <laughs> That's where the trouble is. That is where God is going to find out what's in your heart. Hmm? Hallelujah. How do you picture a situation that men have abused you, said all manner of things about you, wronged you down? And now the word is saying, pray for them. What kind of prayer are you going to be praying? I mean, what, what will you be praying about? Huh? You see, the tendency in your spirit says, God, you know, you know my heart. You know my heart. I've tried to be very friendly with this person. I've tried to be very, but you know what he continues to do to me? God, pay him back. You're praying for them now, isn't it? Yeah, pay him back. God, it's not my power, but it's in your power. Pay him back. <laughs> your heart is always deceptive. In fact, Jeremiah said that. The heart of man is desperately wicked above all things. So who can know it? Hmm? So what then do you think is the reason why you pray for your enemies? Or for those who despisefully use you? You pray for those who are wicked towards you and enemies in the heart so that God can change their hearts. Praise God. Those who are always attacking you, you give them to God so that God can change your heart that they end up loving you, that the peace you're looking for, you begin to experience it. That's why you pray for your enemies. You pray for those who despitefully use you. God will take away that hatred that's resident in their spirit. Love will begin to flow from their heart towards you then both of you will begin to experience love on equal level. You see what I mean? Praise the Lord. They'll finally be saved. They don't know God, that's why they do what they're doing. But now, you pray for them, they finally get saved. And when they are saved, 
they're going to have the peace of God where? In their hearts. When they have the peace of God in their heart, they're no longer going to be insulting you, abusing you, or hating you. Another spirit comes to their life. So when you're praying for them, you're actually praying for them to be saved. And when they are saved, then the peace of God will be shared abroad where? In their hearts. So instead of hatred, they now love, they now peace. Remember what Jesus said. If it is possible, leave out. I mean, Paul even said the same thing. Live at peace with all men. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. So from the words of Jesus, when an enemy exhibits these three characters or these characters we're looking at, what I mean is, what you call or anyone you call an enemy have these three things I want to mention right now. Number one, an enemy has hatred in his heart. Two, his words by way of causing or using dangerous words against you. Listen to what he said. An enemy has hatred in his heart. Number two, he uses, okay? Praise the Lord. Number three, his action, his action towards you are constantly embarrassing. What, what do I mean by that? When they say wrong things about you, they embarrass you. Do you understand that? Right. So the action of an enemy are always very what? Embarrassing. So three things, like I said, uh, what is the definition or description you give to these people? Number one, they have hatred in their hearts. Number two, they are always cursing. Number three, they always do things to do what? Embarrass you. Praise the Lord. So, in the beginning, love. How many of you remember that? What is your natural response? Let's listen to me. Those who despise hatred, love. Is that okay? Come on up. Hatred, number two, cursing, number three, embarrassing actions. So the first one, once they hate you, what is your response? Love. You respond to hatred with love. Amen? What about if man causes you? What is your response to that? You bless them. Your natural spiritual disposition by reason of the spirit of Christ towards those that keeps causing you is to do what? Is to bless them. And what does it mean to bless? Say good things about those that are insulting you, that are abusing you. That's your response to that. Praise the Lord. What about when they're using words, injurious words against you? What is your disposition towards that? When man uses words that are constantly abusive, insulting, injurious, calamitous, if I may use the word, towards you. What's your response? Pray for them. Yeah. That's what Jesus said we should do. You see, David is a man after God's own heart. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 
Second Samuel chapter 16, verse 5. Second Samuel. And when King David came to Bahurim, behold, there comes out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and called still as he came. He came forth and do what? Call still as he came. That means he keeps on cursing David. What's the next thing? And he cast stones at David and all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. He was being protected. This guy was throwing stones at David. This guy was cursing David as we were running away from Absalom. In woe's town that has rained and the Lord had delivered the people. Sometimes things are happening to you. It was a natural response of those that hate you. They say he's sin. He's suffering for his sin. I mean, if you understand that, right? They want to give reasons why you are suffering and they want to add to the suffering and they want to explain why you are rightly in that position and why you should remain there. What's the next thing? Then said Abishai, the son of the royal, unto the king, Why should this dead dog cause my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. I like that. <laughs> Praise God. And what's the next thing you find? Him? And the king said, What have I to do with you, your son of the royal? So let him cause, because the Lord has said unto him, Cause David. We shall then say, Wherewith has thy doing so or done this? And let him cause, for the Lord had bidden him. What's the next thing? It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his causing this day. Hallelujah. You see where David is looking at is different from what Abishai was looking at. Abisha had the natural disposition to revenge this man that was cursing David. But David was seen from another perspective. Who knows? Just by this man cursing me, it will turn out for my good. He was looking at something else. He was looking at God. Hallelujah. What's the next thing? And he said, and, and David people were with him, came weary and refreshed themselves there. Then the Bible says, Casting dust on him, throw stones on him, cursing him. Not in a small thing. I mean, not now he's paying the price for reigning in place of Saul. I mean, that was the living God. So, the question is Are you surprised that when Absalom died, he was crying? How do you cry for your enemy? I mean, so many of us, God needs to work on our lives. God needs to work on our lives. And I mean it. Hallelujah. Because the tendency to revenge, the tendency to, to excuse yourself in times of this, they are always there. You always want to give reason why you are innocent. You always want to, you understand that? May I say anything? Oh no. Can I explain to you? Can I, can I tell you? Whatever he's saying about me is not true. Can I explain to you? You are always trying to explain why you are innocent. Praise God. So, now, the word of the Lord Jesus to us is, we've got to love those that hate us. 
We've got to bless those that curse us. We've got to be able to pray for those who despisefully use us so that God can change their mind and become born again. That the peace of God will come into their hearts. Hallelujah. And David is a perfect example in all of this, I was saying. But yeah, it was a man in the Old Testament. Right? And nobody wants to take any character from the Old Testament as, oh, no, 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 no. There's not this picture right. Because like I said, I'm summarizing on this today. So let's quickly, verse 19, NIV. But I want to let us know that the character of David was actually the character of Christ. Praise God. Look at this. Do not take revenge, my friends. Revenge. Re- Are we here? Do not allow any situation to bring you to the place where you have to revenge yourself. No matter what is going on, act like David. Act like Jesus. Amen? Praise the Lord. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. What's the next thing? On the contrary, on the other side, that says somebody have offended you, somebody have wronged you, somebody have abused you, somebody hates you, somebody's using despiseful words against you, somebody's cursing you, what do you do? On his head. If your enemy is not your friend, an opportunity for you to do good to that individual, don't restrain yourself. Hallelujah. What's the next in verse 21? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. Anytime, anywhere. Look at, look at David. Abishai said, just let me go cut off his neck. You know, I want to kill him. And Abishai said, what have I got to do with you? What kind of problem is this? Who invited you into this? Oh, no, I don't need that. Leave him alone, let him cause. Who knows? Out of those abuses and all of that, God will turn into something else in my life. You know what? It's an opportunity for me to get into... Come on, are you following me? So, the point is simple. Do good to them. Those who despisefully backbiting you, saying things where you are not there, pray for them. Simple instructions. In so doing, you've been called of fire. What that's supposed to mean? You're melting their hearts from being hardened people against you to become what? Loving people. The hatred they had before against you by reason of your love towards them, by reason of your prayers towards them, their mind will change. They become loving people. They get saved. Hallelujah. Praise God, somebody. This is what it means to heap coals of fire. You can't escape it as a believer. It's your responsibility. Because Proverbs 25 tells us, you do this, God will do what? Will reward you. I wouldn't want to miss my reward because of somebody's lifestyle. I'll choose to stay with what God says so that I can get my reward from God. 
I'll clean my heart towards those that hate me so that I can continue to experience the love of God. I'll continue to forgive those who despisefully use me so that also can continuously have forgiveness in the sight of God. It is how much forgiveness I have for people that God also extends towards me the level of forgiveness. For the word says, forgive those that forgive you. Right? Praise the living God. This is what it means to equal of fire. I don't know what you're thinking about, but I believe that God will give you the grace to live out of this. Just go back and take your mighty chapter 5, verse 44. Prayerfully study that. Ask God to give you grace to be able to do what the Lord will instruct you. Just one verse. And there is nothing else anybody can do outside of those five things that I mentioned there. Nothing else. Hatred, abuses, despitefully be used, accusation. There is nothing else anybody wants to do against you that is not mentioned there. Go back and study it and ask God to help you. It has to do with your life. It has to do with your future. It has to do with your relationship with God. Not what people do. Act like David. Act like Jesus. Forgive those that despitefully use you. Pray for those who are insulting and abusing you every day. You shall be a child of God in character and attribute. You shall grow into the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org. God bless you.